0: You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. We're getting you guys ready for the Seahawks Week 7 matchup. This one, another primetime game, Monday night at home against the Saints. Seahawks finally return to Lumen Field after a loss on the road to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's spend a couple minutes recapping that loss, figuring out what Seattle can learn heading into this one. Now, what you saw at least was a rally, a second-half rally. Seahawks came out uh, quite literally hitting the ground in the start of the third quarter. You had a 10-play, 75-yard touchdown with just one pass play the others were all runs with uh the majority of those being by Alex Collins all except for one uh Dave Jake and I'll start with you Dave but uh to discuss kind of moving forward we are expecting this to be the Seahawks offensive strategy against the Saints Monday right
1: the run game
0: the run game yeah heavy and, run game
1: and we're we're kind of hearing that that's uh something that uh, that they want to commit to but boy it's you now see why they kept five running backs you know, and and no they're kidding. looking at signing a, <laughs> another couple guys. So, yeah, because I thought when they kept five, I was like, geez, you know, that seems like a lot." I didn't think Travis Homer was going to make the team, but but you do get Penny back. So, and what that means is undetermined. You know, we'll see. I was just looking at Penny's stats in college. I thought he was really, really good in college, and then I looked at. Donnell Pumphrey, the guy who was the running back there before him, and he had like 2,000 yards more than Penny. But Penny, you know, I I understand why they took him where they did with his numbers. But, you know, he just hasn't been healthy. The thing is he only missed three games in college. So it wasn't like he was coming out of college as this injury-prone guy. Like I always say, I would have never drafted me. I mean, I was uh, was hurt all the time. And, you know, that tends to – be the the case with people like it's just the way that they play and so yeah I you know there was nothing to to you know indicate that they he was going to be hurt so you know and I was listening to you guys talking about you know how they're using their draft choices versus you know how the Saints have done it and you know and I I feel like and we're going to talk about this on our show I feel like around 2019 they kind of got away from you know, using the young guys, putting the rookies. But mm-hmm. last year, they sure were good. And this year, you know, so far, two out of three have appeared. We'll see mm-hmm. if Eskridge, you know, is able to to get healthy. But um, I'm not even coming close to answering your question, Stacey. But no, but you know what? <laughs> it's do... all
0: it's all good stuff because all of it is. Uh themes that keep rearing their head throughout the season, right? Yeah. Where are your contributions from draft picks? Where are your contributions uh, from, from running backs to the run game if you don't have Chris Carson? Yeah. Can Penny help you out this week? I mean, that's going to be huge because Alex Collins, while Pete Carroll has not ruled him out, was pulled late from this game with a hip injury. Uh, we'll see whether he's on the injury report uh, when that comes out today. Yesterday was was an off day for them. It obviously wouldn't normally be. So, there's still important concepts for this week.
1: What are you guys expecting from Penny? What, what are your expectations well i try not to expect anything yeah and then you know you see like i all what the play that always stands out to me the trap at philadelphia where it's just a little simple play up the middle boom it's gone for what 53 55
2: yarder and that's what i try to remind everybody is that look you can have your issues with with rashad penny's availability that is a without question very deserved but when you look at his play and what he can bring to the table, if this guy runs with confidence and you give him the same running lanes that Alex Collins was given against the Pittsburgh Steelers, we're not looking at 20, 25, 30-yard runs that Alex Collins can produce that's no shot at at AC, but Rashad Penny has that, that home run ability. He has that ability to hit those creases and with his speed to be able to make big, explosive plays out of it and that's something that we all want to see from Rashad Penny and see it on a more consistent basis I mean his time here in Seattle his highest number of carries in a game Dave 15 and he did wow. it once and and outside of that three times where he's run for more than 10 times in a game and so this isn't ha- ha- this have. This has not been an illustrious career for Rashad Penny. There's no doubt, but gosh, it's just the talent is there. And if he's available and he's going to be one of those guys running the football, you hope that he can flash some of that.
0: Yeah, that's been one of those conversations I've found myself having with so many people. The same with CJ Proseis, but to a greater extent, Rashad Penny is fans understandably get frustrated when a guy doesn't produce because they pin their hopes on him. And then especially a first rounder, he doesn't go out there and do much. And even though it's not someone's fault, if they get injured, the word bust is always going to be thrown around yeah. if there's a first-rounder that doesn't perform. And so I, I think I understandably see a lot of questions about, um, I saw it with, with prosize why is this guy on the team? And you see it with Penny. And your answer, Jake, is exactly that. It's, look, the Seahawks saw a ceiling with this guy that we as fans, as viewers, as reporters have not seen him on the field have yet, but we know it's there. And that's what's so enticing for Seattle is feeling like, well, we don't want to give up on him just yet. He's on this rookie deal. We've got him on the cheap right now. Uh, And right now he's one of our healthier running backs, shockingly coming back that like, we don't want to give up on him yet because the worst thing you can do is let someone go and then they take off with another team.
1: Yeah, that, that's always frustrating. You know, we always talk about who's the, Chris Taylor, <laughs> the Mariners. Yeah, the Dodgers and Dodgers and Baltimore. I mean, you could look yeah. at Alex
0: Collins, right? Having he having went, a great season with Baltimore.
1: Yeah. He never got it going here no. in the preseason, but you know, I, I always joke that. Well, it's not really joking. I, I was happy to be a second rounder. You know, I mean, the <laughs> oh, first yeah. rounders, yeah. no matter what, you're you're going to get uh, that tag, and you know, you're, you're going to have higher expectations. I think that's interesting. I did not know that stat, by the way, the the 15 carries. Maybe he's a rhythm guy. You know, we always hear that about running backs that, yeah. you know, they need to get into a rhythm. And so, you know, maybe if you give him 20-plus carries that he – but, I mean, you see the talent there. Yeah. Uh, there was another play against Green Bay where I don't know if it was a catch or a run where he cut it back and went all looped around. He ended up twisting his ankle and falling yes. down. but. Because he was like he he put a move that his body couldn't handle or something. But, you know, there's that. You saw that Ram game. He had a good game. And I just wonder if you get him into a rhythm. But he's been one of those guys that because there's also talk about Nick Chubb. You know, and what he did. And if actually if you look at uh, Chubb's numbers in college, they're way better than Penny's actually. Yeah. But you know, he, uh, he he was drafted I think in the early second round and and once again, second round, there's not that first round status that you know, albatross hanging around your neck. So I, I feel like yeah, I was happy to be a second rounder, but I, I'm you know, I, I feel like this guy has the potential to do it, but I, you know, I understand Seahawk fans being frustrated mm-hmm. w- yeah. with him and just so, and especially with the whole Nick Chubb thing, sort of you know looming. But yeah, I I, I really like the way that they uh, that they they r- run blocked the other day because we'd said going into that game, at least I hadn't seen them offensive line wise just blow huge holes in the defenses. It's been more Carson getting extra yardage. I thought Collins, you know, he really, but he reads the block so well. So, you know, I think he's a little bit better than Penny in that regard. I really like the way he he reads in the middle of the field, especially the decisions he makes and when to make cuts is is pretty special.
0: I want to jump defensively while we're talking about contributions from guys that this team has drafted, um, particularly young guys. You've got two draft picks. I'm going to – Daryl Taylor's not a rookie. I'm counting him as a rookie right now in this conversation. The good news, obviously great news for this team, is that all those tests were clear, and he might even play this weekend, which is something after being stretchered off the field and taken to a hospital against the Steelers. So thank goodness he's okay. But he has four sacks for this team, has been great, and we're coming out of a game where who wasn't talking about Trey Brown? leaving this game you'd had so much frustrating moments so many frustrating moments for the defense and this is one of the few weeks so far this season where I've seen more people than not heading into the game saying well let's see what this guy can do and it's not just here's who you have left it's I'm curious to see what Trey Brown can do.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah and it was uh, the one thing about that Pete was saying about him is that he didn't make mistakes and I think it's, it's interesting you end up you you had a Kill Witherspoon, who's what, six three, six four, you had Trey, and you're like, Oh yeah, that'll probably end up being type. those two guys, yeah. right? It's the the Mighty Mites in there. Five foot nine, both of them, and both of them are extremely physical. I mean, they DJ Reed will I remember in the playoff game against the Rams, I brought this play up a number of times, but he threw everything he had into I think it was Cam Akers, and he actually hurt his shoulder. Yeah. On a run play. I mean, a corner that will do that. I mean, usually they're just cover guys, but both of them will will be physical. And then, you know, the thing that was most exciting about Trey Brown was there was a catch in the flat, and he closed that distance so quickly. And, you know, a lot of times we saw, not to bash him, but Trey, because I love Trey Flowers, but, Mm -hmm. you know, he would break down and just kind of sit and wait for the guy. You're supposed to close that gap. You're supposed to, you know, keep your feet moving. And that's what he did, and he got a great tackle a couple of times. So, look, that guy, he looks like he can play. So in you know the the subject of playing rookies last year they did a really good job with their rookies rookies played a ton Damian Lewis you know Jordan Brooks and and you know if we can get Eskridge back from this uh this concussion like I said Trey Brown looking really good like he's he's got a lot of confidence the interview afterwards too was like the, I after that was he was great Yeah and after he was interviewed I was like does that sound like a rookie
2: yeah, it, it sounded like a rookie to me. It, no, I it really didn't, and and it's very encouraging to see somebody like Trey Brown step up and and not be as stacy as you pointed out in a position where you feel like okay who do we go to next yeah next right there's no down exasperated the line, side it, with yeah that no it's it's there's an excitement there is an intrigue there is legitimacy legitimacy in the way that he played and and can he build off of that performance that's what we're all waiting to see
0: we have a fun show planned for you guys Jordan Brooks speaking of defense is going to join us he'll be on at 12 45 first though we're going to take you uh, to Seahawks headquarters where the head coach Pete Carroll is about to speak with reporters that's coming up next this is the huddle with Dave Wyman Jake Heaps and Stacey Ross your two two-hour preview show every Thursday, getting you ready for the Seahawks next matchup. Uh, we are waiting to hear from head coach Pete Carroll, but practice still underway for just a little bit longer at Seahawks headquarters, so we'll have a couple minutes here, and why not preview the Seahawks upcoming opponent? It's a Monday night game against the New Orleans Saints. They are 3-2 and two second place in the NFC South. So what we're looking at for this Saints team, one of the most interesting things that stands out to me is obviously the run defense. They're number two, limiting opponents to just 79 Nine yards it makes for an interesting uh kind of battle here with the Pete Carroll team that wants to be able to run the ball and has run the ball I mean Alex Collins with 100 yards on the ground last week going against a Saints defense that has been able to stop the run I'll add with the exception of the Washington football team uh which pit up 131 rushing yards against them
1: yeah and Demario Davis is a guy that I've been watching for well since they were here last time 2019, I think he was with a, a bunch of different.
2: Yeah, he uh, was teams. He, he but, was. Uh, I, I can't remember where he was with the, was Jets. Before the He was with the Jets for yeah. for a little while. Um, I I played with him my rookie year. Um, but uh, yeah, he bounced around a little bit before he found his new home with the Saints. Yeah, and then
1: we talked to Mike Triplett from ESPN down there, and he said he's basically the heartbeat of that team. So you know he's really good. Um, you know you've got um. Jenkins and Warner and you know they lost uh, their their edge rusher Uh, you got Cameron Jordan who's really tough you know against the the run so it's it's legit their run defense is so yeah it's too bad that it you know matches up that way because they're not terribly good against the pass and you know when you have a backup quarterback you're thinking well we'd rather run the ball but I you know look I always say this the the players they don't look at rankings they're not looking at, oh, this is the number two run defense. I mean, at least I never did. But what you do is you watch film and you're like, oh, this guy's a problem. Or, oh, man, this is these guys are tough in this regard. And then you go in there and you're not going to sit there and shy away from the run game just because they're the number two defense, right? Correct. So, you know, that's, I would like to see them impose their will. And, and again, you know, we, we didn't see a lot of, you know, like, like I said, our offensive line just crushing people. And they always want to do that. Except for the Pittsburgh game, you know, mm-hmm. and that's where they they really got it going. So I'm hoping that, uh, you know, no matter who, if you're if you're on your blocks, man on a man, you got a running back that's making good cuts. Doesn't matter if it's the number one run defense or the number thirty two defense, it's
2: going to work. And and you know, a recent example of the Seahawks being able to run despite uh, a run defense's numbers. Was back in 2019 mm-hmm. against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Remember, in that game specifically, they were—I th- I believe at the time—they were the number one rush defense, and and the Seahawks end up, you know, running for over 100 yards in that game. Now, Russell Wilson also throws for like 400 yards. He had five touchdowns in the game. They, they passed on him because that was the weak point. And so, Dave, to your to your point, if you have Russell Wilson in this game, you feel feel pretty good about the way that you're able to battle uh, or, or be able to counteract the differences in strengths there. Um, But it, it does go to show that, you know, that part of it, you still got to go earn it. And it, it all comes down to the team that shows up with not, not just the most intensity, but the best execution. And if the Seahawks offensive line can execute the way that they did against the Steelers, then, then you're in a pretty good spot and you're able to control the game and really, really make a game out of this with Jame, Jameis Winston, who is a gunslinger on the other side, who's played well so far this year, but there's a reason why he is last in pass attempts. It's not because of philosophy by Sean Payton. It's because Sean Payton's worried about Jameis Winston throwing the ball too much.
0: You know, this is related, but where do each of you, and again, Dave, we'll start with you, where do each of you see ways for Seattle to exploit this team? It can be either on offense or defense for the Saints, but where do you see moments where you think, you know what, I don't mind that matchup?
1: Yeah, I, I don't mind the our new corners against Jameis Winston, and Jake and I were kind of talking about some of the things he does well and some of the things that he doesn't do well, but... You know, I I feel like he threw a really terrible interception in the game against Washington, the Washington football team, to a linebacker. And every time that happens, I'm like, why couldn't that have happened for me a couple of times? (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I mean, it was just like the the linebacker was right in the middle of the field, Holcomb, and he just missed him for some reason. So, and look, you know, you know this, Jake, you're back there, sometimes an offensive lineman. Is blocking your view of a, a linebacker who's yep. twenty yards downfield, and mm-hmm. you know it looks really stupid when you when you throw those. But you know, but yeah, I, I just think he can. That's the I think you can take advantage of Jameis Winston. I think he's one of those guys. I always see him as the the quarterbacks are always the stable guys, right? Like you know, that's why with the Geno Smith thing, him getting in a fight, I'm like, I never heard of a lot of a quarterback getting in a fist fight in the locker room. That kind of was like, eh, you yeah. know, but. You're you're a stable guy. You're kind of like management. You're kind of like a coach on the field. You're kind of like the adult, okay, on the field, and <laughs> and you know everybody else is are the kids. And Jameis comes off as one of the kids to me. So I think that's one
2: one uh, area where you can you can possibly Jake. Get how to about it. you? Yeah, I, I would definitely say that as well. I think that's a great matchup. The one thing that you do have to keep an eye on is that they have not. They have not done a lot of things in terms of pass attempts and, and these big games, but Deontay Harris and Mark Marquez Callaway are two players that, you know, they're averaging seventeen. 17- And 19 yards per catch I mean we're talking about big explosive plays so when you talk about you know what they want to do or what they want to avoid here with Seattle's defense is those big explosive plays giving those cheap plays to to Jameis Winston Um, but the other matchup that I don't mind is Marshawn Lattimore against DK Metcalf. Marshawn Lattimore is a really good corner he's one of the best corners in the game uh, but you, you watch him go up against some of these you know other receivers and particularly uh, you look at the Washington football team who have two really good ones in Terry McLaurin and and um, uh, I'm blanking on the other guy's name a yeah. uh, very very good player uh, that I was a big fan of um, but DK Metcalf uh, to me is just so much bigger more physical than any of those guys and and Marshawn Lattimore gave up some big completions uh, to to you know McLaurin and uh, Curtis Samuel was the other one I was thinking of. Um, and, and so I think that DK Metcalf can continue to be that security blanket for Geno Smith and can generate some big plays.
0: All right. Uh, we are going to see if Pete Carroll is going to step up to the podium next. Do not go anywhere. This is the huddle.
3: Fortunately, we have this, uh, this Monday followed the Sunday uh, to give us a little break from the trip that we had. And uh, so... I know to everybody in the world, this is probably a Thursday or whatever. This is not a Thursday does. We're on Wednesday schedule, and uh, we're getting ready to go. We have a, um, a, a an opponent coming up that um, really have a great respect for, and what what Sean's done with his team over the years, and how they played, and um, how they you know, they're playing now. It's a little different format with you know the, the career quarterback leaving the program, and and uh, they've turned it and. They're, like they've always done, they've always used their people really well, and that's what they're doing, and you can see it. And um, So their style is a, style's a little bit different because it's tailored to the players that they have, but uh, they've got a chance to have a really good team again. They know that, and, and uh, really for them, it starts on the defensive side. they got a terrific defense, and they're doing a great job again and make it really hard on you. So it's going to be a tough opponent um, in all aspects. Um, we might get a little weather in this game, might be a little nasty out. Uh, be a good, a good hardball ball game, and we need this one.
1: When they played without Drew Brees for an extended stretch a couple years ago, what did you take uh, away from the way that they played and they managed without him?
3: Sean, he, he understands how to do it. You know, He gets it. Um, he doesn't try to do something that somebody can't do. And that's why I say he, they have always featured players in, in what they do well. And so if he doesn't have his career quarterback, then he's going to adjust a little bit. And that's what they did then. And, uh, and Taysom did some good stuff for him. You know, And they, they figured out a way to, to continue to be successful. And then you can count on them to do that
2: played against James Winston when he was in Tampa Bay. How different does he look in this offense and now having two years with Sean Payton to tutor him?
3: And having- yeah, well, he's, you know, the QB rating, we got 108, you know, and uh, in, in complement to the, the running game that, that they're really featuring, um, he's playing really well. He's making some huge plays, and they, they're using his his ability to get the ball down the field really well in complement with, with the run game and, and uh um, he's fitting in well, you know, it's, it's not exactly the same as when it was with Drew, but um, he, he's just, Sean is such a good ball coach that he figures it out how to, you know, make, make the guys come to life and get the most out of them. So that's what it looks like is happening.
0: Where is the point that you can attack that offense? Because
1: they're not really going for the explosive plays. They're not throwing it as much. Where is that,
4: that point for your
3: defense? Yeah, honestly, I don't see it that way. Um, they, they're, they're really running the football, but they are going for explosive plays and that they've hit some bombs. I mean, they've bombed people, and, and uh, they've been striking from a long ways out. Uh, they're just not throwing it as much, and, and not relying on moving the ball that, in that fashion, and so um, it's a it's a good, solid offense. It's difficult and, and explosive still. So, And whenever, you know, Alvin Kamara's back there, you, you have you have a team almost. I mean, he, he's, he does so much for their offense in the run game one, but in the throwing game as well. And uh, so, you know, he's the, the focal point, in, in, as he was before, you know, when, even when Drew was there, but um, Alvin really gives him a lot of stuff, and, and he's a fantastic player.
5: He's getting the heaviest workload of his career so far. How do you minimize his impact on the
3: game? You got to tackle him. You got to tackle him. You know, he's he's uh he's really elusive, quickness wise. But he's even maybe more impressive in his power that he has when he runs. He's got great great legs and great you know great uh, ability to bust tackles, and you have to be really good at it. And you got to team tackle him to get him down. Um, so and he's getting the football all the time. So that you know, you know, that's where it's going. And so the challenge is really obvious. You know, you got to slow him down. What's the uh,
5: challenge of their run defense?
3: Uh, they're really disciplined. They're really strict. Um, with how they play they um multiple fronts um to try to keep you off balance but but fundamentally they're really good and the guys up front just continue to set the edge and play really uh consistent ball which is always the key to good run defense is playing really consistent technique and they're really good at it um they're really well coached and and, um, they're they're just they're hard to deal with
5: wide receiving core for the saints has suffered a lot of injuries but yet they are still Getting, back, I guess, making progress. Who is
3: making the place for them? Who's well, I mean, it just depends. They, they've got guys. Uh, Deontay Harris has, has been really exciting player for them, and he's the returner as well, dual returner also. Uh, he, he caught a bomb last week, and, and uh, Callaway's done a nice job for him. Um, yeah. Jawan's doing a nice job at tight end too as a receiver. You know, and, and uh, with Troutman, both those guys get stuff done, but. It goes back to Alvin kamara you know he's got the ball in a variety of ways um you know you guys might remember back when uh when um, Sean got Reggie Bush. You know, Reggie caught 100 passes in his rookie year or second year, whenever that was, just moving them all over the place and making him a, a, a total threat um, as you try to defense. Well, that's, you know, they have all of that in their background. Sean hasn't forgotten the play, you know, so he's got a wide variety of things that they go to and to mix it around to make all those guys, um, you know, where you, they're not leaning on one player, it's the whole crew that, that's effective. So really good.
5: How How is uh, Alex Collins?
3: Um, he, he's going. He's in practice today, um, so uh, that's a good sign. He went through walk through today. Looked okay. Um, really, all uh, number of guys that were that got banged a little bit in the game uh, were able to go to walkthrough today, and we'll see what we can get in limited fashion from them from practice today. But uh, really encouraging in that regard. Any Lewis, too? Yes. Daryl Taylor. Any up there. Let me say this. All these guys got to go see what happens when they practice and see how it feels and all that, you know, afterwards. So, but really positive signs. Uh, Daryl Taylor um, won't get much action today, but he feels really good. He's got a stiff neck. Is what he came out with. So it's like, you know, after all of that that we went through to protect him and all, it's like he slept bad on his neck, you know, (laughs) and he's got he's got a stiff neck. So uh, he really feels like he's playing. He doesn't have any doubts that he can play. So we'll hold out hope that that's the case. How Sidney Jones he He's going to get a little bit of work today. Yeah, he's bouncing back uh, a little bit ahead of schedule from where they thought, and so he'll get some snaps today in practice, and, and we'll see what that means. So what does that mean
5: for your quarterbacks? And given what you saw from Trey Brown, how many options do you have on Monday? Well,
3: Trey's going to get a lot of reps uh, with Sidney um, you know, being a little slowed down, and I feel very comfortable about, about him playing, and so he's going to play in the game for sure. Made some good
6: stops against Pittsburgh. Is that because you changed things a little bit, or they're starting to pick up what you thought they were as they progress? I think we're
3: picking up in general. I think just in general, the, the, um, the, there were some crucial stops in that game. You're right. Late in the game, when we had to have it, the guys came through like like you're counting on and hoping and. and uh, um, there's, you know the guys are feeling comfortable with what they're asked, what's asked of them, and uh, we're and we're helping them a little bit. You know we continue to adapt to th- things that are that are showing. Um, so I just think we're just getting better.
1: Piggybacking up what you said about Bill lawson and emphasis on helping the quarterback function
7: at a high level with mm-hmm. you guys with Geno, beyond running the ball well and obviously playing
2: defense well, how in what ways can you help Geno function at a high level?
3: Yeah. Well, the ways that you that that I mean, the most general way to to say is, is, you know, you give him stuff that he's good at, and stuff that he's had a lot of turns at, a lot of reps. You don't you don't ask him to do brand new things every week. You know, you give him uh, where he can bank on his backlog of preparation, and so that they can function at a high level, and you out execute in that manner. That that was always that's always been the way, and so. Uh, You know, where you might, you know, a coach can get all, try to get real creative and draw this up and draw that up. That's not what a guy's probably going to function really well doing. You know, you you want stuff that you can keep coming back to that's really solid and sound that he can function at a high level regardless of what he's seeing and he has the right answers for, for the problems. And so, um, it really gets back to things that they can execute really well and can you know be held accountable for it understand doesn't matter what coverage it is or what the situation is they can they can function with it and that's that's what you're trying to create and you, you know you got to do one thing well and then you do two things well and, the, and what coach said was the more things you can do well the harder you are to defend and and that's so you know it just depends how far we get and, but um that's what you're trying to accomplish
7: Context was the still is getting important info gathering
2: to see in a full game what Gino is good at and what he's not so good at.
3: Yeah, it was, it's, it's great to get him out there. Finally, we finally get a chance to really see him have to go in and back out and, and answer the problems and adjust during the game and, and uh, utilize the package and utilize the tempos and all of that. It's, it, was, uh, it, was, it was a great opportunity for us. And, and the way we worked it, uh, he was ready to, to finish this game with a win. You know, here we go. We're going to go finish with the last drive and win the football game. So uh, a lot of that worked out well. Just unfortunately we lose the ball, but um, uh, it helps us moving forward for sure.
5: You claim Eatson off waivers.
3: Where can he fit into things right now? We're just going to see. Uh, we, he's a very talented player. We had thought that a, you know, a long time ago, and uh, here he is available to us. We thought you know, we had a spot on the roster that we could do it, so uh, we jumped on it. And uh, I, wa- I happened to watch him a lot in preseason, and just because I was watching the Colts, and uh, um, he was impressive. He, he, he's, you know, he wasn't the top player in the country for no reason. You know, he was. He's a, he's a real talent. So we'll see what happens. I don't know how that fits together right now. Um, um, we're not going to try to rush him into playing this weekend, and and uh, Gino's our quarterback, but um, we'll see what happens, see how it goes. It's so really just it's us taking a shot at a competitive opportunity and going for it, and I thought John did a great job in, in getting that done.
4: Does uh, Jamal Adams convey to you what he thinks needs to happen for him to deliver plays like he did last year?
3: Uh, we talk all the time. The answer, the answer to your question is no. <laughs> no. Uh, we yeah. talk all the time, so we're on the same page. Do you sense any frustration or pressing with him? Um, I don't think any more than any any other player. You know, I mean, he's he's a tightly wound high strong guy you know and he wants things to happen and he wants to make it happen and, and uh you know he's he's just as disappointed when the thing doesn't happen the way it's it's supposed to where we want it to as, as anybody else is and he's going to do everything he can in his power to make it work he's a great competitor he's a truly a great competitor it really matters to him uh, how, how you do things and uh, how he how he does his stuff and how he uh, can be held accountable for the club and all that he's 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 got his head in the right place
6: you guys obviously asked him to rush more the other day. Is he is he getting close? Is it looking how you want it to look for the most part? Well, we
3: got, you know, he got, got to get. him free. We got to get him in there where he get some shots. You know, he didn't, didn't get any, He made the quarterback rush uh, a few times, and, and uh, they know where he, he. They know he's out there, and that's part of the factor. You know, they also know he's out there. You know, so they're looking for him too, which is fine.
0: All right, that was Seahawks head coach Pete Carroll speaking with reporters. Uh, Now, normally he do that every single Wednesday, but a bit of an off day here for this team because they have a primetime Monday night game. Speaking of, we're going to see Jordan Brooks in this one. He's had a a, a good start to the season. It hasn't been the start to the season that this team has wanted, but he's been a fascinating player to watch, former first-round pick for this team, and he will join us next on The Huddle. This is The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross joining us right now. Is linebacker Jordan Brooks. Jordan, how's it going?
7: Uh, it's going good. Uh, happy to be up here uh, talking to you guys.
0: Well, we're happy to have you. I mean, uh, there's there's some good stuff to talk about, some, some troubling stuff to talk about. So uh, we know you can't tell us everything. We're hoping we can glean just a bit more insight, though. You guys have a big game, a big Monday night game coming up against the Saints. Uh, I'll start with just kind of the obvious question, which is, how has your second season felt? I mean, this is going to be another primetime game. You're at Lumen Field. Fans are back. How are you personally feeling about your year so far?
7: Um it been a little shaky, you know, just how the season's kind of started for us as a whole. And so, obviously, you know, a player that wants to hold itself accountable feel like it's a lot more plays that I could have done better, you know, to help us get in position to win. And so that's what the goal is uh, moving forward is just how can we improve this week? What can we learn from the mistakes of the last game and improve this week and to ultimately um, help us win a game?
2: And Jordan, can you help us as, as you go through you know, the focus of an athlete? You know here on sports radio and fans, you know you, you have this situation where you know we get to sit here and talk through everything and be mad or, or talk about the game's past and, and and continue to you know talk through a lot of those things, the good, bad, and, and whatever. But for you guys, you guys have a job to do. You, you guys have to quickly learn and move forward and move on and flush it. Um and, and and prepare to have you know the, your best game yet week in and week out. You know what has been the mentality of this team? How have you guys been able to do that? Um, so that you personally and and you know your group is, is ready to go uh, each and every single week.
7: They would we just keep going forward and uh, and not stay on the loss too long. I think it would be a lot worse if we felt like we didn't have the guys to win. But when you look around the locker room, we got everybody that we need. It's just about putting the pieces together and um, and just finishing these games. And so I don't think anybody's in a panic, uh, even though the the record is not what we would like it to be at this point. But we're just moving forward and um, continue to practice hard, study in our meetings, get together outside of the facility, and um, just try to get it right. And, um, you know, hopefully make a run here soon.
2: You know, Jordan, I, I – I, I... I understand completely that that mentality and understanding that, and I think that's a huge thing that you said, that you believe that you guys have the right guys in this building, that you guys believe in each other, and that's such a big part of it. And as you're going through struggles defensively, and, and it's easy to point the finger at one another uh, for, for different issues, but what has your group been like in terms of coming together to, to handle through that? It hasn't been perfect but that you guys have, you know, been striving to get better and to get to the level of play that you guys are more than capable of. And oh, by the way, the second half of that Pittsburgh game, you guys played pretty darn good. Yeah.
7: And I think the thing that we've been doing is, is communicating more. Uh that was an issue in the first couple of games, Just guys kind of just you know, we just weren't communicating. Nobody's on the same page and so can't expect to be a great defense if, if you can't play as one. Mm-hmm. And so That's something that we've been working on in practice uh, during walkthroughs all day, you know, communicating and talking to one another. Uh, Safety's talking to LBs. LB's talking to the D-line. We're all on the same page. And um, I think it kind of came together for us in the second half of the the Pittsburgh game. And so we just want to take that momentum that we have defensively and uh, and keep it rolling into this next game.
0: Hey, Jordan, you guys – you play the same position group, but but might have some different meetings here. But you and Daryl Taylor obviously uh, were were consecutive picks for the Seahawks back in 2020. I know he missed his first season, but uh, you guys are both showing up on the stat sheet for the Seahawks and. Uh, and having some really solid moments this year, and I know you're young players, and you're gonna feel that there's always a learning curve. But I think it's exciting for fans to see some returns on a Seahawks draft class, especially defensively. What's your relationship like with Taylor? Do you guys ever have this feeling of like, hey, let's let's you know try to bring some life you know into the team? Do you is there a sense of responsibility or anything like that that you guys feel?
7: Yeah, I mean, we we've had a conversations, you know obviously knowing that they brought us here for a reason and that we're young in our careers and that um, that uh, we can make an impact now, you know. And so I tell DT all the time, man, keep going. I'm, I'm proud of him. You know, he had a rough first year, didn't get to play, had to had to sit and watch. And uh, to see what he's doing now, you know, getting sacks in consecutive games, I just tell him keep going, man, because I see that and it inspires me to, to go harder, you know, because we came in together. And so uh, – I think that's really what it is. is just keep going forward, keep moving forward and and how can we make an impact in uh uh for our defense and ultimately for our team.
0: Has uh, speaking of nicknames, uh has Bobby finally stopped calling you rook or is that still happening?
7: <laughs> we got to week 8. So oh. I think what maybe one more week or two okay. more. Weeks and I'm okay, okay. That <laughs> nice, pretty soon you're going
0: to be Jordan. One day, Jordan. One day. Yes, yes,
2: yes there yes, There, yes, there we am. go. It'll be it'll I be a great forward day, forward. man.
0: I say if you get a pick or something, if it's this week, I don't care if it's week seven. If you make a huge play, I think you deserve to be called Jordan, not Rook in this one. <laughs> absolutely,
7: absolutely. We will get that pick this week. Yeah, there, there, go. there we go. I'll there be there. called by my name real soon.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Jordan. You play a really hard position in this scheme. I. I I practiced against it uh, for multiple years. Uh, I I know exactly the responsibility that you have in that scheme. How much of a challenge has it been to play that, knowing that also offenses are are going to attack that spot not just one time but multiple times uh, in a given game? And it has nothing to do with you. It just has to do with the scheme itself. What kind of responsibility do you feel uh, in that role?
7: It's a lot. Um, it is definitely a lot playing the wild linebacker in this game. You have to do a lot in, uh, in pass coverage, and so it's about mastering every call um, and slowing it down and say, this play, all right, we got this call. I got this responsibility. Let's do it, and then move on to the next play, and and not let the moment get too big, or not let you know the calls overwhelm me, and uh, and settling into it and, and and knowing that. And this certain covers this is what teams wanna attack. And so it's about having your head on a swivel for one and um obviously watching film and continue to uh to gain more knowledge of the game and um and uh and mastering that position.
2: Yeah, I Jordan, I see it every week, man. I, I see that continual growth in that and, and... You know, the, 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 like I said before, the responsibility is tremendous. And I think a lot of people don't really understand fully. But, um, you know, uh, it, the other thing that you're tasked with as well is, OK, so yes, you, you've got great responsibility in pass coverage, but also in the run game, too. Like you're you've got to be a factor. In, and and I love the way that you play downhill. You play aggressive. You meet guys at the line of scrimmage. You know, how how much of a how much of that part of the game do you like the physical element of the run game?
7: You said, "Do I like?"
2: Yeah, yeah. Do you do you like that physical element of the run game coming downhill and uh, and meeting people at the line of scrimmage?
7: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you go back to college, that was pretty much my game, and um, so the run game—that's something that's always is any linebacker would love. You know, if they just run the ball the whole game. I love it. <laughs> so <laughs> it's definitely a. a, a, a Probably my favorite part of the game is, you know, getting in the run fits and getting downhill and meeting guys in a line of scrimmage or behind a line of scrimmage. And the one thing I like about the Saints coming up is that they're really a run first team. You know, they like to uh, run the ball and get Jameis going off, of, off the play action and, and all those different type of deals. And so it's going to be a good challenge. They got a good running back. And so I'm excited for the opportunity to go out there and um, improve this week and, um, and continue to get better.
0: Man, that's awesome to hear. And, and Jake, like Jordan said, I don't know a single linebacker that's going to tell you, no, I don't like hitting people. <laughs> I don't like making tackles. I think everyone's going to be like, yeah, I love it. It feels great. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. He is Seahawks linebacker Jordan Brooks. It's It's been exciting to watch it. I know that this isn't the start to the season that you guys want, but, man, there's so much uh, so much excitement and, and expectations, which I know are big and, and sometimes feel unfair, but I think there's also some some pride that goes with that uh, for for you and Daryl Taylor in this class, and, and it's going to be fun to watch you guys, man. So have fun out there this Monday.
7: Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: All right, this is The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. We are going to go in the trenches next. Don't go anywhere. You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. We are going to go in the trenches with Ray Roberts, who joins us right now. What's up, Bray?
6: You guys are, man. Just, I'm, just, uh, I'm just in your world trying to find space to operate.
0: <laughs> well, we, we're, we're glad that you're here. Find uh, space?
2: You're the one that's moving everybody out of the way, Ray. <laughs> I do my best.
0: <laughs> I actually I, I thought that this would be um, not just every day is a good day to have you on, but, man, I know that you love talking about the offensive line and, and getting involved with the run game. What did you make of how the Seahawks came out in the third quarter against the Steelers?
6: Yeah, it was. I was excited they did. You know, when we did our halftime show on the pregame uh, with our pregame postgame crew, you know, I didn't even realize that uh, we had only carried the ball – Four times, and those four rushes came in the first quarter, and so there were some things in the second quarter that may have taken you out of the opportunity to run because there were some penalties and a couple of sacks that kind of put you behind the chains a little bit. But uh, Alex Collins was averaging almost five yards to carry at halftime, and uh, and so then the frustrating thing was, uh, you know, last year there were times where Chris Carson was averaging almost six yards to carry at halftime, and then never, you know, then maybe touched the ball five or six times the rest of the game. So it was really good to see them come out. And recognize that they had some value in that, and that, you know, that with that part of the game. And they ended up running the ball like seven out of eight times or eight out of nine times and uh, scoring a touchdown. And, you know, the one thing I try to speak to is that uh, I don't think people and, and I say this all the time, how the mindset of an offensive lineman, what the mindset is, and people just think that it's just big dudes running into big dudes, and every all the focus is on the guy that's throwing the ball and the dudes that are catching it. And uh, and so you get caught up into their rhythm and their you know timing and all that kind of stuff in their mindset, but you don't consider the mindset of an offensive lineman. And you can, by running the ball, whether it's three yards in a cloud of dust or you're having six yards of carry, uh, you're giving me tools in my box in my toolbox to be better at what I do. Because otherwise, if we're going to drop back and throw it 40 times, you're making me super one-dimensional. And it's really the game plan. It's really easy to game plan for for a person when there's only one thing that they're going to be bringing at me. And so uh, I I thought it was important for, for the mindset. And I think it was probably like an important step just for that offensive line in general.
1: Yeah, I remember uh, listening to you guys on the pregame show a couple weeks ago, Ray. Where Brandon Staley, the head coach of the Chargers, talked about you know you force a mm-hmm. defense to play blocks, you force them you know to have to tackle. Um, so yeah, that uh, I think it's the the mindset is important. Um, I wanted to ask you about Rashad Penny. What what you see from him? I mean, he's one of those. Uh, kind of lightning rod players, where you know you've seen some some good stuff from him, and then you know he just has never really gotten going. What's your, your level of confidence? What have you seen from Rashad Penny?
6: Well, I think I think when he's healthy, and obviously, and when he is a he's really sure of what the value is that he brings to the team. I think early in his career, he wanted you know people wanted him to be this big, fast running back, but run like Chris Carson. And that's that's not that's not who he is. He's not a dude that's gonna move the pile when he hits it. He's not a guy that's gonna uh, you know see a a two inch uh, you know crease and then explode through it for 15 yards. He's he's a big dude and he can do that, but that's not what he does. He's more of a you know like a want to bounce it to the outside, get him out in space like that type of dude to use his athleticism and his quickness and his speed. Uh, and so in the times when I've seen him be successful is when he's played like that. And so I think, you know, when, whenever he's back, you can't expect him to be Chris Carson. You have to let him be uh, uh, Rashad Penny and then put him in situations to be successful doing that. It reminds me of uh, Rawls when he was playing and everybody wanted him to be Marshawn Lynch and the dude just wasn't built to be Marshawn Lynch. There's only one person built to be Marshawn Lynch and that's Marshawn Lynch. And uh and and uh, and Thomas Rawls was not him. And as a as a result of it, his career didn't last long cuz his body couldn't hold up to it and he could never quite find that thing that Marshawn has. But I'm sure he had other skill sets that would have been valuable to the team had they exploited those.
2: Ray, uh, heard you on earlier this week on our airwaves talking about you know the the offensive line not playing together in the preseason and how you know it, it might have manifested itself in the early part of the season. I have to one hundred percent agree when you talk about the transition about. Damian Lewis playing left guard. Gabe Jackson mm-hmm. now is is fit in new. He's a new player, a great player, but a new player at right guard. Um, uh, you look at uh, Kyle Lewis, uh, Kyle Fuller, who's now your center and, and, and him getting full-time work. What did you see from this group in the second half of the Steelers game? I mean, w- what I saw was a bunch of combo blocks working out very well together. Do you think that they have kind of found their chemistry here, Ray, or was it just – the box number that they were facing versus the Steelers that played out favorably to them.
6: Well, I certainly hope they did, uh, Jake, because to me that for this offensive line, everything you just said has been the problem uh, because um, they didn't have those reps together, not even in practice, because Dwayne Brown wasn't practicing, and then and then even Brandon Shell last year missed a lot of time, so it's almost like he's kind of reintroducing himself to the offensive line. He missed time in the preseason practices. You know, and so there's a lot of reps of, around chemistry and working beside each other uh, that they missed because the choice to not play them in the games and then a lot, of, you know, uh, a lot of the pieces not being present during training camp. So now they're trying to work those things out. And it, it seems as if in the second half some of those things started clicking you know, the, the you get the push that the the guard in the center the two guards in the center were getting in the middle of the offensive line. That's what makes the zone blocking scheme go is when you can get push in the middle. Up until this point, they weren't getting a whole lot of push. There was a lot of stalemating at the line of scrimmage, which means that then the guys are getting up to the next level. In the second half, you saw push, and then Cal Fuller was doing a great job getting up to the next level. One of the things I liked about Gabe Jackson and watching his film was that he was great at setting the double team and then sliding up to the next level uh, with, with, uh, um, you know with the leverage so that the play could be successful hadn't seen any of that until the second half of that, of this game. And so I'm hoping that that was a a light bulb moment uh, for this offensive line, because I, I I get tired of the talk of like, Oh man, we need to invest in the offensive line and look at this, this team's offensive line. And that team has elite talent and we don't, you have three players on this offensive line that have pro bowl potential. You have, you know, uh, Damian Lewis, who was, who had a very good rookie year and you were expecting great things from him this year. You have Gabe, who came with a really great reputation from from the Raiders and haven't played you know, really good football down there. And then obviously you have Dwayne Brown, who's probably a future Hall of Famer. And so there are three dudes that are Pro Bowl caliber players on this offensive line, but they hadn't been playing like that. And I think a lot of it is because of all the misreps in the preseason.
2: Ray, there is no secret as to what these Seahawks are going to do on Monday. It has been a big proclamation from Pete Carroll that they are going to run the football. This is who they're going to be. Um, and and it's going to be no secret to the New Orleans Saints, who have a good front seven. My question to you is, you mentioned those three guys. You mentioned the the, the caliber and the talent that this group has can they be that group can they be that group where they're so dominant so good that doesn't doesn't matter what everybody else in the building knows what's coming that they can still move <laughs> the pile and get it done because that's that's what it's going to take on Monday ray
6: absolutely and i'll just put it to you this way jake like, you saying it like that, dude, I wish I could go suit up right now. Like, th- <laughs> like I guarantee you that in the offensive line room, like, I just stood up so I could tell you this. And nobody's <laughs> even here in my apartment but me. But I'm telling you that those dudes in the offensive line room are going, bring that shit on. We want that. Like, challenge us. Let up, put it on our shoulders to be that. And having said all of that, Jake, some of the problem with the conversation around – Pete Carroll in this offense here, is that it's either one or the other. Like, oh, he just wants to run the ball. We just want to pass the ball. The, the secret in the sauce is finding the synergy of both of them. Mm-hmm. So, either neither one of them, in and of itself, is going to survive and take this team anywhere. So, the thing that they have to do is find the synergy. Not the, I don't, and the reason I use synergy, because when you use balance, people think, oh, it has to be 25 runs and 25 passes synergy just means that we have to find the combination that works so that this offense works. So if it means running 25 times and passing 25 times, then maybe that's it. If it means running it 15 times, so we're averaging 15 yards a carry, but we're using play-action pass, and we're putting all these other things, and the quarterback is hot, and we throw it 40 times, then that's the synergy. But you cannot have an offense where it's just like, we're going to just drop back and throw it 40 times a game and win. There's Mm -hmm. there's, There's Even Patrick Mahomes, 2 years ago wanted to draft a running back. They called him and said, "Who do you want to take?" He wanted the running back that they drafted. He didn't he didn't ask for another receiver, he asked for a running back. And so so running the foot running the football is part of the offense. Throwing the football, part of the offense. But throwing the football isn't the offense and running the football isn't the offense. It's a combination of the two.
0: He is Ray Roberts, former Seahawk and current NFL analyst on the Seahawks pre- and post-game show, so make sure you tune in to hear him on Monday night. Ray, enjoy your weekend.
6: I'm going to try to because now Jake got me so fired up (laughs) that I think I'm going to get it. You know, I have some pretty big pillows on my couch, and I might just set up my own, like, seven-man block and slay it and take some reps so if y'all there we if y'all go hear, if y'all hear that i'm in the hospital at the end of the day just know that
3: that's <laughs> not
0: worried, bubble weekend it's i'm not worried
1: bubble. about the drywall in ray's home right <laughs>
0: getting fired up let's go <laughs> all right ray good talking to you man
6: thanks ray all right guys have a good one you yep. too
0: what are the what are the keys to a seahawks win against the saints on monday night we'll ask the voice of the seahawks himself steve rabel next on the huddle you don't watch the bachelorette wyman no not your type of show
1: not anymore.
0: <laughs> Used to. This is The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Ross. It is your two-hour preview show getting you ready for the Monday night Week 7 game between the Seahawks and the Saints. Joining us now, the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel. Rabes, what's up? Hi, guys. How you doing? We're good. I mean, it's a, it's going to be a fascinating one for Seattle. You have a number 2 ranked run defense against a team that really wants to run the ball. We're going to see who wins that battle. Uh, you've got a, a defense that's susceptible to the pass, and you can see what Geno does. I mean, there's all kinds of fascinating conversations, and that means there's all kinds of keys. So I'm going to start kind of with what would normally be our final question, but what's one of the big keys to the game for you for the Seahawks?
4: Gosh, there's there's so many, and and you know you, you can get down to real specifics. And I know Dave and I'll talk about this come uh, come Monday evening in the in the booth, um, leading into the game. Uh, you know, and, and there are some that are pretty obvious. I mean, uh, a, a guy like uh, Alvin Kamara. I mean, he can he can beat you so many ways. Uh, and so every defense that Pete Carroll has ever coached goes into the game saying we have to stop the run. But in the case of Alvin Kamara, you got to stop the run. You got to stop the swing pass. You got to stop the wheel route up the sidelines with this guy because he can catch the ball and run. Uh, I mean, he, he's just, he's kind of a one-man wrecking crew in that way. I, I think uh, what ultimately you're going to have to consider on Monday night is, A, it's going to be a lousy night weather-wise. It looks like we're going to have wind and rain. Uh, you have to make sure going in that you're obviously uh, sound on your assignments uh, and then avoid the, you know, avoid the big mistakes. Sometimes it's the team that makes the fewest mistakes as opposed to make the biggest plays. If you can avoid mistakes, like uh, if you're Geno Smith, ball's going to be wet. Be careful where you're throwing it. Don't throw into a crowd. Don't think you can force that ball in there on a wet, you know, wet breezy night. Be safe with the football. Don't give them an opportunity. This team has, what, nine interceptions already, the Saints do, this season. So they're they're pretty good at taking the ball away. I, I'd One of the things I'd go in saying is we have to minimize those mistakes. And then, you know, for our part on defense, go out there and make things happen. Take that ball away.
1: Hey, Steve, how did you feel? Uh, you know, it's funny, uh, last week or this entire week we've been talking about the Steelers game. And I just uh, – I felt like they took a couple of steps forward. I mean, I know they're 2-4. and four. Obviously, when they lose, it's not a good thing. But I felt like, you know, running the ball, I thought Gino, you know, he made a throw over the linebacker and underneath the safety. You saw the, the touchdown throw to DK Metcalf. I feel like he kind of proved that he can go out and win games for you. I, I felt kind of positive coming out of that loss, which was kind of strange.
4: Well, and I agree, Dave, and, and and I felt positive, too, because it wasn't all on Gino's shoulders. Uh, even though after the game he took all of the blame on himself, he said, I've got to do better, I lost the game, I can't let that happen. Well, no you didn't, Geno. You, yes, you fumbled the ball at the end, trying to make a play under pressure in overtime, uh, and against a guy who, in all likelihood, is going to be right there at the end of the season when they talk about uh, defensive players of the year, uh, if we never see uh, Watt again, either <laughs> one of them, any of the watts, yeah. um, you know it 'll be too soon. But um, I, you know they did make progress. I, I think the fact that they came out in the second half knowing that Pete said it in uh, the locker room at halftime, we have got to run the football. We've got to take some pressure off of Geno. He's getting sacked. we got we got to get back to what we do. And they did. And I think that was a really big... Uh, a really big improvement by this team. The offensive line fired off the line of scrimmage. They opened big holes. Alex Collins was just terrific, and I, I think you know you you build on that. You keep looking uh, into this coming uh, week. You look at Monday night and see a Rams or a a um, uh, Saints team that's that's tough defensively. I mean, just a couple years ago, we were talking about them with Drew Brees. Now all of a sudden it's, uh, it's a, a defensive-built kind, of, uh, kind of team. So uh, I think that's, that's something we learned from, uh, from these guys, the Seahawks, so that, uh, that they can do those sorts of things when they put their mind to it. They've got the physical ability to do it. And on the other side of the ball, I thought they did a pretty good job against Najee Harris. There's a guy who's like a load to stop, and I thought they did a pretty good job defensively in holding him down as well.
2: Rabes, there's, uh, it, it, it can't go – understated how big this game is in terms of the outcome for the rest of the season I can't believe we're we're talking about that at this point of the season um you know going one and two during the stretch was not the goal two and one three and oh that was more of the conversation if they how do you think that the players and everybody in that building feel that sense of urgency in terms of this how important this Monday night game is
4: I don't think there's any way they can't feel that sense of urgency. Um, But then again, you have to, and that's part of being a pro. You were a pro. Dave was a pro. Uh, Stacy's a pro. Uh, You understand that. Thank you. You're you're very welcome. Um, You you understand that uh, you have to put that behind you at that at that point you 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 had your tell the truth monday you look back at the video those guys i'm sure saw saw the game um, on the plane coming back from pittsburgh and saw how close they were to beating a, a you know a pretty good team more importantly than how good the steelers are just beating them there at home would have been just a terrific feather in their cap all that said they didn't do it so you you i don't think you can help but feel that kind of pressure of where your record is and knowing that you know the further down that road you go by losing football games, uh the tougher it's going to be in the second half of the season uh where you you know where you uh, you know have gotten in the past where you've done really well and where Pete preaches you know you can't win it in the first or second or third quarters, but you win it in the fourth quarter. you may just put yourself out of the running if you're if you're not uh, making the plays you need to make now and win football games so yeah, they feel the pressure, I think, but hey. If anybody can get them focused on one game at a time, it's the guy who preaches it every single day, and that's Pete.
0: Hey, one final question here. I know that we have a lot to dissect with this team, and not a lot of it is good right now. So if you do have to pick something that's been good or maybe just a pleasant surprise for you, is there a player or, or a theme that, that, that that's been?
4: Well, on the offensive side, I, I think Gino has proven to everybody that if not that one half played uh, where Russ got hurt, uh, or the entire game against Pittsburgh, you know, under a lot of pressure, what, sacked five times, still was able to get some passes off, played played well, uh, had, a, you know, had a good showing that way. Um, that on the offensive side. On the defensive side, I'm kind of excited now to see Trey Brown. I mean, I, I almost jumped out of my shoes on that play where he came up uh as a cornerback and you know quite frankly we haven't seen much of that this season where he just he knew exactly what he had to do come up and make that tackle behind the line of scrimmage and keep Johnson I think it was Dante Johnson from from uh getting a first down I mean it, it was as good a play as, as I've seen out of our cornerbacks in a while. yeah, so I was there, and I thought the
1: Seahawks had scored or something the way you described that play <laughs> that <was a> great <laughs> call. yeah
4: yeah, you know hey, you, you, thank goodness for small favors, right you, you look for those little things sometimes, and and that at that moment in the game was a really big thing. So yeah. I expect we're going to see a lot more than Pete said as much. He said he's earned the right to to play yeah. and and get get his uh, snaps. And, you know, it, it may not be all that long before he's really comfortable with having uh, a young rookie starting out there at cornerback. If he feels like this guy can make plays, he'll put him out there.
0: Well, I can't wait to see if, he, if he's able to get a pick this season. And if that's the case, I can't wait to hear your call on it. I, I'm excited about that personally. He is the voice yeah. of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel. Thanks so much, Rapes.
4: Yeah, I'm liable to come unglued if that
0: happens. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. All right, what's making the Saints tick right now? What do they do well and what are their weaknesses? We're going to take a step across enemy lines with John DeShazier, a reporter for the New Orleans Saints next. Welcome back to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Eepson, and Stacey Ross here to help us take a step over enemy lines and give us an opponent preview is John DeShazier, reporter for the New Orleans Saints. Hey, John, how are you?
8: I'm great. How you guys doing?
0: Uh, we're fantastic. John, look, I'm starting this on a bit of a hostile tone, but but there's no hostility intended with it, which is to say that when I was looking at kind of my own preseason rankings of where I saw things falling, uh, I, I did not see the New Orleans Saints as a team uh, that was going to have a better record than the Seahawks this early into the season. But I also didn't anticipate what was happening for Seattle. Um, and part of that, John, is because I thought that this New Orleans Saints team had a big degree of variance. It could either work out well because they had a lot of stars, or it could completely collapse without Drew Brees. Right now, they're sitting at three and two, second in the NFC South. What's been working out for them?
8: Uh, well, first, I'm completely offended. So the next thing you will hear will be the dial tone. <laughs> um, no, <laughs> uh, really, though. Um, what's worked out? With, what's worked out is, is, is the defense. Um, they had a pretty good defense last year. And I think those guys knew they needed to step it up a notch this year. And and they've done so now in the two losses, you can't tell, obviously. Um, Gave up 400 passing yards to Daniel Jones and and the Giants and didn't do very well against Sam Darnold and Carolina. But but really, uh, for the most part, the defense has been – the linchpin for this team. Uh, it carried the team really uh, a couple of times the pr- previous two seasons. Uh, a couple of seasons ago, Drew Brees got injured uh, for a five-game stretch. Teddy Bridgewater went five and zero as the quarterback, but the defense led the way then. Uh, and then last year, Drew Brees got hurt, missed four games. Uh, Taysom Hill started, where well, he was three and one, but the defense led the way then. So they've been building this this way really since that 2017 draft. A lot of people put a lot of emphasis on Alvin Kamara coming out of that draft, and rightfully so. Uh, But their first pick was Marshawn Lattimore, the cornerback. Another pick high, Marcus Williams, the safety. Uh, So they've really done some things defensively to try to bolster this team and get it better. So, you know, because I, I think obviously they knew a day was going to come when there would not be true breeze, and you couldn't depend on, you know, those 28 to. 35-point games, you would have to be able to defend better, and, and I think they prepared well for that day. So you know, they've been pretty conservative offensively, uh, and then they've just kind of relied on the defense, and it's been a pretty good recipe for them so far. Now, I think there's going to be a little bit more loosening of the offense as Jameis Winston gets a little bit more attuned to what he can and can't do in this offense. But for the most part, this team knew, I think, coming into the season, it was going to be led by the defense, and so far it has been.
2: Now, John, I wanted to go a little bit more on Jameis Winston in this offense, and you mentioned maybe it getting loosened up. I mean, since he has earned potentially the trust of Sean Payton going 12 touchdowns, three interceptions, uh, how has he looked to you guys uh, so far this season and uh, doing it without two key starters, uh, two key pass catchers, are those guys set to come back in Michael Thomas and and uh, Traquan Smith?
8: Well, Traquan comes off the IR, so he's going to begin practicing. So he'll be back before Michael Thomas. No word yet on Michael Thomas. But you know, the biggest thing with Jameis James is we've seen the decision-making be altered, be different than past years. He doesn't it doesn't feel like he needs to play hero ball, so he'll throw it away. He might take a sack. Um, he's shown some mobility in the pocket. I think a little bit more – You know, we saw it in Tampa, I guess – and maybe it was one of those things that you kind of lose track of. But he's been a little bit more mobile than we thought. But really, it's the decision-making. Um, now, look, he's gotten away with a couple that might have been otherwise picks that turned out to be touchdowns. I mean, he had a Hail Mary touchdown. Uh, he threw a couple uh, to um, Marquez Calloway that might otherwise have been interceptions or, or one to uh, Juwan uh, Johnson. That otherwise might not have been, you know, the 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 best decision in the world. You know, you get away with some of those, but he also had a couple of decisions that went against him to go for those three interceptions. But for the most part, his decision his decision making has been solid across the board, and that and that's the main thing. He, I think, he understands better having sat behind Drew Brees that sometimes the best play is nothing to take that sack and put your defense back out there and see if they'll get the ball back for you, or to throw it away and instead of being You know, having an interception, go to third and 10 and and see if you can collect collect the yards on third down. But I think he's understanding better as he's growing in this offense. You know, it's okay to throw it away, it's okay to take a sack. You, You just don't want the turnover. And that's the main thing.
0: Hey John the here we're anticipating that the big matchup we're looking at is Pete Carroll's desire to really pound the rock and really run the ball in this one against the Saints number 2 overall rushing defense who've been some key figures in that running defense
7: Well, mainly it's
8: been Demario Davis, the linebacker. Uh, Pete Werner, the rookie linebacker. Uh, They've had some pretty good play at defensive tackle because they've really had to have some guys step up at defensive tackle without David Onyemata, who arguably is the best defensive lineman on this team. Uh, But you know, Peyton Peyton Turner, the rookie, uh, Marcus Davenport, who might be coming back off IR this week. Uh, they've had some guys who really played the run well, and, and, and basically that's what the Saints want to do. They want to make you one-dimensional. They want to make you have to throw it so that they can again, anticipate a little bit better. They can unleash the pass rush. And even though they only have eight sacks, um, it's the hits on the quarterback. It's the hurrying of the quarterback. It's the getting him off his marks that has led to them creating the turnovers more so than the quarterback sacks. So, and, and you know, trust me, they'll trade out the sacks for the turnovers every day of the week. And that's what they've been able to do. But they, it all begins with making you one dimensional. They have been able to play the run well, really, for the last. I guess three, four years. They've probably been in the top two or three uh, in run defense, and that's really the key to what they want to do. And the teams that beat them or the teams that give them trouble are the teams that have been able to run it. Carolina with Christian McCaffrey, and then the Giants had Saquon Barkley, who was able to get loose a little bit late in that game. So if you can run the ball against any NFL team, of course, you can have success, but you know the Saints really rely on stopping that run making you one-dimensional, and then really making up for it in the pass game. They don't necessarily mind so much you know, giving up the yards. It's the points, and especially when they get to the red zone, they want to be able to slow you down there and force field goals if they can't get turnovers out of you.
2: John, everybody focuses on the stars. Everybody focuses on, you know, hey, here are the big names for the team. Here are your clear difference makers. Is there anyone – Heading into this matchup that we should be talking about, that doesn't get the notoriety from everybody else nationally.
8: Well, it's, it's for the things. I mean, they've got a couple of receivers who have been kind of under the radar. One being Callaway, he's got three touchdowns and, and he's come on a bit of late. Um, they've got a, a young tight end, a guy Juan Johnson. He's got three touchdowns. He's probably only got you know six, seven catches total, and three of them have been touchdowns. And and those guys are kind of flown under the radar. And really, you know, a lot of that is because. The Saints' defense has really set this offense up in a good space offensively. They've given up some short fields, and the Saints have really cashed in uh, in the red zone. They're 13 or 14 in the red zone, which I can't remember a time covering the Saints, even when Drew Brees was at his best, where this team went a stretch where they were 13 or 14 in the red zone. Uh, so that's really been the key to what they're doing. And they've been able to do it with those two guys because those two guys have pretty good hops on them. You know, sometimes you can just throw a jump ball, which is, you know, what Janus has done a couple of times and they've come up with touchdowns for him. So I would say, you know, if you, if you want to look at any guys, maybe Marquez Callaway, Calloway, who seems to be, who seems to be rounding into it. Maybe Jawan Johnson, who seems to be rounding into it. And another guy, who Seattle fans might be a little bit more familiar with Deontay Harris, who's a receiver. He had a punt return for a touchdown against the Seahawks a couple of years ago. Uh, he's really coming on as a receiver in this offense, especially as a deep threat. Now he, he had a hamstring issue against Washington, you know, they had to buy a week. So we'll see whether or not he's able to play, but if he's able to play, he makes this def- he makes this offense different because he, Immediately stretches the field. You cannot press him because if you press him and you miss, mm-hmm. he's going to go and he's going to go the whole distance. So he's one of those guys who can really kind of paint the defense a little bit and stretch it.
0: All right, we only have you know maybe a minute left, but I just want to squeeze in one thing so that we can move the conversation forward on our on our end defensively. Which is if there is one thing that Jameis Winston is susceptible to, or if there is a weakness or two Seattle's defense can try to exploit, what is it?
8: Well, he's like every other quarterback. Hurry him, hit him, yeah, hit him, hurry him, and get him off his marks. And then if you get him harried a little bit, you know he 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 didn't have success against Carolina. Carolina came with some blitzes that the Saints weren't prepared for, hadn't seen, and didn't adjust to, and so it made life miserable for Jameis that day. And um, the offensive line is missing. You know two two of the starters or for the last game, so we'll see if any of those guys are able to come back, but he's like every other quarterback if you can get the pass rush to him, if you can pressure him, you know because he's seen enough now to where I don't know necessarily that you can confuse him and he's confident enough to throw it away or to take the sack if he doesn't see what he wants to see. So I don't think he's so apt to take those chances. But if you get a lead on him and if you get the rush on him, then, of course, he's going to have to take a few more chances. He's going to have to be a little bit more risky. And that's when any quarterback can get in trouble.
2: John, uh, we really appreciate the time, man. I know Stacy offended you early on, and I thank you for <laughs> hanging in there with us. It got better. So I gave we you appreci- no
0: Southern hospitality,
2: apparently. <laughs> we appreciate it, yeah, John. But she, gave- but she did give me notice. She did give me notice. She did. I did,
0: phone, she so, you know. she did. I did. I let you know. I, I was <laughs> honest with you. <laughs> All right. He is John DeShazier, NewOrleansSaints.com. You can go read his work ahead of this one so that you can prepare yourself for Monday night's opponent. Thanks so much, John.
8: Hey, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. All
0: right, that was your opponent preview. Now we're going to take one final look at the Seahawks ahead of this prime time matchup. Seahawks.com reporter John Boyle joins us to give us the latest. Then we all share our final thoughts heading into a huge Week 7 game. That's next on The Huddle. This is The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Ross getting you guys ready for the Seahawks' primetime matchup, a Monday night game between the Seahawks and Saints, this one at Lumen Field. Joining us right now to give us one final look at this team is Seahawks.com reporter John Boyle. John, how are you?
5: I'm great, Stacey. How are you doing?
0: Fantastic. Uh, we're glad that you could join us as we kind of wrap things up and take a final look at this team. Uh, just from the outside looking in, what's going to be a major key for the Seahawks in this one, John?
5: You know, I think a big thing when you look at the, the way the Saints play defense is just functioning well on offense and not turning the ball over is a big part of it. We've seen you know, the, the Saints take the ball away a ton. The Seahawks have been good at taking the ball, care of the ball in general, but they've been uh, had, unfortunately, a couple of costly turnovers late in games. So I'd say just being clean on offense against a really good defense would be a great first step.
1: Hey, John, what, do you, what are your expectations, and what do you think the expectations are in the building for Rashad Penny?
5: I mean, I think everybody's eager to, to finally get him going. It's it's been a really unfortunate couple of years for him with all the injuries, and you know it's, it's sad for him that you know that he was a the guy they drafted in no small part because his injury history was so clean. And yeah, you know John Shire always said he had one of the best medical grades they've ever put on a player, and he gets the NFL, and it's just been one thing after another for him. So. This would be just the perfect time for him to kind of come out and maybe look like the player he was starting to become right before that ACL injury a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, It sounds like Alex Collins is making his way back this week and has a shot to play, but if he is banged up or if you just want to change things up a little bit and get a different look, having, having Penny available in full speed would be a big deal for this offense if he can get going. But that's also a really tough team to run, run against, so we'll see how that looks.
2: John, we need a definitive answer right now. Is Trey Brown the starter for this Monday night game? No no dancing around it, John.
0: We know you know, John.
2: I, I do not know, but I'm going to say yes, he is the starter.
5: A couple of reasons. First of which, he played really well. He looked good out there. Um, and secondly, I mean, I know Pete Carroll did say Sidney Jones is going to do a little bit of work and practice, but... If there's a competition there and it's close, and one guy's banged up and limited, getting limited reps, and the other guy's healthy, that that might be the deciding factor. Uh, I mean, Pete Carroll wouldn't say who's starting today, but he said he's definitely playing. And you know, in general, that's not a position you rotate guys. I know they did last week to get Trey Brown some looks, but normally that's an every down position. So if Pete Carroll's telling us today, Trey Brown is for sure playing. That to me is a hint that there's a good chance he's starting.
0: Reporters spoke with Pete Carroll and Bobby Wagner today. Now, for listeners, we aired Pete Carroll, so you guys heard it. We didn't air Bobby Wagner, but you can find it at Seahawks.com. Bobby kind of made a comparison to the 2015 season. John, I know that you were listening to both of these. What did he mean by that?
5: Yeah, somebody brought that up. That, that was last time they were 2-4, and of the 2015 season. That, you know, that was the year that Cam Chancellor held out. They started 0-2 bounced back with a couple wins and lost two in a row and they were two and four and as Bobby Wagner said it kind of felt like now where everyone's writing that team off and they were no good and you know they managed to rally and get it going Um and he, he thinks this team can do that too. I mean obviously the biggest challenge is they got to start that process without Russell Wilson I mean hopefully he's not out too long but we know it's at least two more games, so they're going to have to find ways to win without their starting quarterback. But, yeah, I, I think the belief is still there a lot more so in that locker room than maybe a lot of people on the outside watching. And, you know, they, they feel like they've started to turn a corner on defense with some things they did against Pittsburgh. And they, they've got some confidence that maybe they can get a couple home wins here and go into the bye with a 500 record, feeling a lot better about things.
2: John, and, and that's that's obviously something that you, you look at, at with that opportunity that's in front of them. I mean, gosh, it's such an important mark for them. And I also don't find it uh, uh, surprising to see that at this stage with Geno Smith being the quarterback and the way that you watch the second half, I mean, Pete Carroll being pretty declarative about who they want to be offensively in terms of running the football, they've got quite the challenge that they'll <laughs> that they'll face with the Saints defense in that regard. Um you know what is the level of expectation that you have for the way that this offense is going to approach Monday night is that more just conversation from Pete Carroll in terms of we want to run it more and be more balanced like we've heard in the past or do you think that that means we want to be pretty run heavy
5: yeah we'll see I mean I I think they love what they saw obviously in the second half and if you can do that and it takes some pressure off of uh Geno Smith, that's great. But we are also talking about the number two run defense in the NFL. The Saints are allowing just under eighty rushing yards a game. So, you know, you wanna be able to run the ball, but you also don't want to be, you know, looking at third and ten every time because you get stuffed at the line of scrimmage. So um, you know, they're they're gonna have to do it smart, but yeah, they they definitely know that if they can run the ball, set some things up and just make things easier on Geno Smith, they're they're gonna try to do that. And Pete Carroll talked about, you know, this isn't just uh hey, we need to run the ball because it worked for half a game. That was really kind of what, what he wants this offense to look like, especially with Russell Wilson out. So they're going to try it, but Saints are good stopping it. So they're going to have to have other plans too if they can't run the ball.
1: Hey, John, it seems like you know, there's, it's a small sample size, and you know, in the very first game, Dwayne Eskridge gets in and carries, and hopefully he'll be back. Uh, and now Trey Brown's playing. And then last year, they really had a youth movement. I mean, every, every rookie pretty much played except for Daryl Taylor. You know, so uh, – and, you know, significant contributions. I felt like in 2019 – you guys were talking about this a little bit, Jake and Stacy. they kind of got away from that. Like, they didn't seem to to trust Marquise Blair his rookie year. Uh, DK is really the guy that was out there the most. You didn't see Cody Barton and Ugo Motti and, you know, much Travis Homer or anything like that. Do you feel like the, that's kind of a trend that uh, that they're getting back to their ways of, you know, yeah. playing the young guys?
5: Yeah, I do, and I think you know some of that. I think they just really like a lot of these guys they've drafted over the last few years, and even that 2019 class. You know, as you mentioned, those guys didn't all get on the field right away, but they're starting to get a lot of contributions out of them now, and they they like a lot of that group. And look, some of that is you draft a guys you like, and you like them, but it's also the reality of the NFL of you you need those young guys to be able to play, especially when you have. You know, some of the highest paid guys in the league at their respective positions and, and Russell Wilson, Bobby Wagner, Jamal Adams and those types is that's kind of how the NFL works. So if you're going to have some stars who are rightly paid at the top of their position groups, you need some young guys to step up and kind of be those bargain type players who make plays for you. But again, that's. I think, you know, as we look back on this in a couple of years, that 2020 class, and granted this this year's a small, but they like the guys they got, but especially last year, I think that's going to go down in the class. It really helps this team for a number of years. Yeah.
0: He is Seahawks.com reporter John Boyle. Make sure you check out his work, by the way, at Seahawks.com. He's got tons of updates on this team regularly, and I know that you all want to stay posted on that. He also joins us every Thursday for the huddle. John, it's been fun talking to you.
5: It's been great talking to you guys as always.
0: <laughs> Bye, John. All right, that will do it for today's edition of the huddle, this week's edition of the huddle. It's a big one, you guys. Primetime Monday night football, Seahawks versus Saints at Lumen Field. I know we're all eager to watch a couple different guys in this game. Rashad Penny, Trey Brown. We talked with Jordan Brooks earlier. If you missed any of that, you can always listen back to it at 710sports.com. Uh, so for Dave Wyman, for Jake Heaps, I'm Stacey Ross. This is Ben. the huddle.